0: Another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy, and I'm going to be your host today as we dig in into yet another episode where we are going to take a look at the Word of God. We believe that the Word of God is uh, inspired word for word. We believe it is the God-breathed, inspired Word of God, the Bible. We're thankful that God has given us the Bible. We're thankful uh, that we live in a day and age where the Bible is accessible. And so um, we should be wise stewards of this opportunity of having the Word of God available to us. We should read it. We should study it, we should be workmen and women (laughs) that are not ashamed, that know how to rightly divide the word of truth. And so uh, I I figure I should bring in uh, someone that is a bit of an expert on this topic, been doing it for just a few years. Uh, My friend Lanny Hubbard, a professor at Portland Bible College. You can check out more about Portland Bible College at portlandbiblecollege.org. I definitely would say uh, the time I spent at Portland Bible College, uh, truthfully, without exaggeration, completely transformed my life, changed the direction of my life, changed the priorities of my life. Um, And it was because of uh, people like Lanny who have invested their life in learning and teaching the Word of God to people, because it really is quick and powerful. And it it changed my life. I I still remember one day sitting in class. It wasn't Laney, It was another guy. But uh, I looked down at my Bible and we were reading and it was one verse. And the Holy Spirit took that verse, punched me in the face real good and said, Rick, all of your priorities are all messed up and you need to fix some stuff. I remember walking to the cafeteria after that class, um, literally asking myself, uh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Like that just ruined my life. Like everything that I thought I had planned, everything, it's all changed now because my paradigm, how I looked at life had just been completely shattered and replaced. And so those are the kinds of things that happen when we take the time to interact with the Word of God. And so, Lanny, thank you so much for coming today, Uh, continuing to invest your time in the Growing Faith podcast and all of the listeners that we have. Um, So why don't you uh, tell us today, where, where are we going today?
1: Well, we've looked at our objective, our goal, in some of our earlier sessions, and that is that we study the Bible to... Discover its meaning. What did the author mean? What did the original audiences understand by that? Uh, last session, we looked at some of the tools that can help unlock the world of the Bible, the culture, the history. And a lot of that information just doesn't come spontaneously. We have to dig for it, we have to look at sources that go into antiquities and histories and so forth. And so we tried to give you some recommendations. Today, what we want to look at is Uh, at particular studies different types of studies that can be done when a student has an interest in a particular area of the bible and there are some similarities between some of these studies but there are also some distinctives because when you're looking at one particular area there are certain things about it that it's going to communicate and that's what you need to find information and look for and and so we want to talk about a couple of them that were Probably be the most versatile then for uh, a student that is going to be out there as as they are looking at maybe starting a Bible study or a little group or just a couple of buds are getting together and and then so these are the simple studies that will help to unlock the Bible without getting heavy and without getting super scholastic in nature but they are definitely looking at at certain things in there. I think that. Uh, you mentioned it in in the beginnings of all of these different sessions that we've done. It's really important for all of us as Christians to develop a study life because we can sit and listen to a, our pastor or a speaker preach, and we can be very much intrigued and attracted to the things that they say. And what we're seeing as they preach is we are, or hearing rather, we are carrying the fruit of their study life. They have studied, and out of their study, they are now giving us the gleanings, the things that they have gotten out of their study life. But it's important we learn from each other that way. But we're learning that we don't gain so much by listening to somebody else and the fruit of their labor. It's things that we gain by our own labor. It's by us doing the work, us going through the struggle and the process, because study is Work. It just is. It takes time. I'm, I've been involved in this. You stretch your brain out, and for the students that come to college, they say this is so hard. And I said that's right. Um, but it's like a lot of things: learning to walk, learning to talk, some of your basic skills in life. it didn't come easy at first, but you you grow into it. You develop through exercise, and that's the way it is with biblical study. Don't start stop rather too soon. Don't stop there before you begin to to reap the benefits of, wow, I discovered that on my own. God actually spoke to me through this study. I didn't have to rely upon somebody else to do it. Then it becomes very personal. And so we want to talk about the process here. And and I'm going to start, I, I gave you these notes, Rick, and I'm just going to go through. I said, whenever we do biblical study, there are certain things that we want to make sure that we try to acquire and accomplish from the very beginning and I I just gave you four different bullet points in there. Number one is this, it's important that when I study something in the scripture to be as thorough as I can be. And what I mean by that very simple is a lot of biblical study, a lot of preachers and guys that study the Bible will find one verse in the Bible they like, pull that verse out of the Bible And so they'll expand on it develop it, but they don't bother to look at other verses in the Bible that are talking about the same subject or the same topic. And so now they're saying these things based upon just a limited perspective of one verse. But if they'd taken the time to do some study, they would have filled in some loose pieces. They would have avoided going off to an extreme because some of these other verses would have brought some balance. And they would have brought things together to make it more understandable. And so we're looking for now thoroughness. The more I study a topic, the more secure I feel about going to any passage in the Bible that talks about that topic, because I've already taken the time to thoroughly look at as much as I can. It's really embarrassing when you stand up in front of a group of people and you're preaching or you're teaching, and you're teaching on a topic and somebody raises their hand and they say... Uh, What about this verse? It's talking about that, but it's totally different than what you're saying. Well, you just didn't take the time in your study to complete it. Mm -hmm. and So you're waxing eloquent on one little passage, but you become myopic as to what the Bible has to say on the topic. And so we have to be thorough. Number two is we have to be accurate. We have to get our facts right. Um, One of the big things that we have to try to gain when we deal with teaching and preaching and anything else is credibility with the, our audience. We have to prove to them that we've studied this enough, that we know what we're talking about and worthy of being listened to at that point. And one of the, the best ways to destroy credibility is just use inaccurate facts uh, to just throw out stuff or guess on things that I never took the time to study. And so I start throwing it out and somebody <laughs> raises their hand again and say, what about this? And you realize, okay, I, I shouldn't have, have watched Law and Order. I should have actually studied the Bible. And so <laughs> I can, would have been a little more accurate here. Another one, too, is flexibility. Uh, flexibility, the reason I put that one in there is because uh, if you start studying the Bible today, you will study at a certain level of spiritual growth and life experience. And those are all the factors in your life that will help you determine what you think the meaning of the text is. If you would go back to that same passage in five years, and if you have grown, you've grown in your physical life, you've grown in your mental life, you've grown in your spiritual life, as you return back to that same passage, you will see things you didn't five years earlier because you have grown up. Your advantage, your perspective rather, of life is different. And so I need to have a Bible study that if I ever choose to preach on this again or teach on it, I can expand it based upon the maturity and the additional knowledge. Because I'm in this for life. I'm a, I'm in it to be a life learner, which means I will revise this thing several times in my life as I add new material and broaden my understanding of it. So I have to be flexible, I have to be able to expand this a little bit. Computers allow us that because they'll take a document, it's a Word document, you can insert new stuff, you can delete stuff. I don't believe that anymore. And you can add to it and make And the this one is usable or accessible. And that is that uh, when you do a study, you want to be able to, in the end, Uh, have access to all your insights, because if you study something, you have just a pile of all these notes, and they're just random scattered notes. You'll forget where stuff is. And it's really important, somewhere along the line at the end there, to organize it all, to put it together, kind of like what a topical Bible does, kind of like what a systematic theology does. So all of your research is now categorized in a way that you can get to it very quickly, and you can locate it. And it takes a little bit extra work, but I'll tell you what, it'll save you hours. where do, I I know I studied that, but I forgot where I put it, you know. And so it just takes a little bit of time to, to make it more usable. So those are four but, words that I think are very important. Uh, I think that the, um, the flexibility and
0: expandability, uh, I think that one's huge because I think it gives people permission um, to just be who they are, where they are and study the Bible from that vantage point and not feel like, like, like I could imagine somebody that's really excited and ready to, to jump into the waiting pool. And as they're studying, you know, Habakkuk and they're like, oh man, like what would Lanny think about, you know, what I just drew out of chapter one of Habakkuk, you know, and there can be like this pressure to have it all figured out and to do it just right. And so I love that you're kind of giving people permission right off the bat to like, hey, you know what? Um you 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 might actually miss it sure. and come back and come back a year later and study it again and go, Oh wow, now that I understand a whole bunch more about the the children of Israel and their journey and now I understand a little bit more about where Habakkuk was, you know, when he was saying that. And, and so I think uh, to just take a little bit of the pressure off to say, you know what, um, jump in, try it, uh, have fun with it, and let the Lord speak to your heart in the process. And you really, you can't lose. And, but when we, when we come at it with that humility, to be flexible and to go back and go, you know what, I think I was a little bit off there. The Lord is gracious and good. And now I now I have a better understanding of what that means. Uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's go.
1: <laughs> so. That's exactly right. Uh, well, I've given you there in the notes, and just a couple of simple types of studies. Now, I, I, I won't get to all of them, but I'll give These are some of the studies that are oftentimes done by early learners, the people that are just starting because they're, they're easy to kind of work with. They're not some heavy doctrinal thing. I'm dealing with a person or a place. They can be very inspirational in nature. They can be a good background material to a Bible study or a sermon or something that I'm going to share. And So I'll walk through a couple of them with me, uh, with you, and I'll, I'll just look at them and then maybe give you an example of what you can do. The first ones are character and place studies. Now, Character studies are one of my favorite studies uh, when I go through and do anything. Bible because God reveals spiritual principles through the lives of real people. Uh, You can go down through like the 11th chapter of Hebrews, and it lists all these men and women, and they were all different. They lived at different times, they faced different situations, but they all had the common thread that they had to believe God sometime in their life for certain things. And I I look at this whole series you know from by faith Abel by faith Enoch by faith Noah and you begin to go through and realize that I could pick one of those characters and take a look at their life and probably get some good examples some good practical examples of what to do to be successful these guys got into the who's who of the Bible you know and yet they weren't perfect people and God can use me then and but let me study one of these guys to see how they made it." So these character studies are inspirational, Uh, they're fun because these are real people, they're not an abstract doctrine, they're actually tangible human beings and we can relate to them. And so there's a a format that you go along with it and there's basically, and we teach this at the college, there's a three-step process that we go through and this would be true, this process is true for both a character study and a place study. Uh, the the basic structure the grid that you're going to approach is going to. Be. And so, what I'm going to tell you for a character study right now, you could do this easily to do a place study. You want to study Zion or or Shiloh or, or Moriah or a place like that as you go through the Bible and say, I'm intrigued by what happened at this location. And so, the three steps is this: first of all, you want to get as much general background information. As you And this is going to come through your casual reading of your Bible dictionaries and your encyclopedias. And they're going to grab from not only the the Bible, but they'll grab from historical documents. And they'll try to give you in a capsulized form this person or this place. And you want to read several dictionaries because dictionaries, now some of them are very brief. It'll just basically say this was a mountain, this was a town, this is whatever. Uh, Others will give you a description of what happened there. Or so forth. And and so, read several of them because the author of each dictionary is going to think that certain material is important to what he's trying to say at that point. So, that's your first one, your general background. I'll, I'll show you how to do that. The second one is then actually open your Bible and look up the passages where that person or that place is actually mentioned in the narratives and the stories and read it in your Bible. You've been reading in a dictionary, now read in your Bible because your dictionary will give you basic facts, but if you read your Bible, you start to get the context. Who's talking? Where does the story fit into the book? And, every, and you begin to add pieces that your little Bible dictionary article will not. And so you need to go to the Bible, and you need to read things. Even if you read something that may look very similar, like I, I read a uh, an account of one of Jesus' teachings in Matthew, and it says, well, he's going to teach on the same thing in Mark. You say, okay, I don't need to read it. No, you read Mark, because Mark's account may be a little bit different. He may use a little bit different wording. He may use a different analogy in there, and so forth. Each author's giving a little different perspective at that point. So look these scriptures up, and there's a little three-column diagram there. You look up the reference, record the facts, the details, and then Give yourself room to write insights. What's this tell me about this person? Say, for instance, if you're doing a character study on a guy like uh, King Josiah. Now, King Josiah was probably one of the greatest kings of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, ever had. He was a righteous man. He was a great man in there. And so you go through and you start looking up all the verses on Josiah. Well... I can go to the verse that has his name, but if I back up a little bit, it will give the history of his grandfather and his father, and then it will take me down to Josiah. And by reading the Bible, I realized this. This great guy had a dad who was an absolute jerk and a grandfather who was even more of a jerk, which means what? You can have a very poor family background and you can still be a man and woman of God. That's an insight just because maybe I didn't have a Christian family and I didn't have the background of some of these church people that grew up in church for generations, guess what? God can start a new family line. He can start with me and he can change the whole scope of this. And here Josiah is an example that I don't have to be the product of my environment at that point. I'm not limited to that. God can go beyond that. And that's an insight that I would gain. The text will never tell you that directly. But it will tell you that indirectly by following the narrative, and so you want to write these little insights down. You know, well, this guy, boy, it didn't go well for him. Well, you read the story of Joseph. You know, Well, Joseph, he had a bum deal. You know, he got sold <laughs> by his brothers. He just, yeah. But Joseph was out bragging about his new coat and his dreams, and he set himself up <laughs> for it. I mean, really. <laughs> right? There's a little bit of error on his part too, and I've got to read the story to get the whole picture. God had to get rid of that cockiness in him, that's what the 13 years in jail is going to do. Okay. so Get those little insights, and that all comes by looking at the Bible, reading it, getting the facts, and then sitting and just thinking for a minute, meditating and thinking, what's this saying about human beings, about human relationship, about life issues, and just write some of those down. And after doing your general background and after doing your Bible, then you take both those two phases and all that material and say, now I need to sort it out. I need to organize it because, again, it's going to be usable. I've got all these different articles from dictionaries and I've got this list of all these scriptures, but now I've got to sort it out so that it's all usable. So I'm going to form a topical outline. Point number one, I'm studying this person. I want to study his birth, who his parents were. When he was born, what were circumstances around? And I'm going to throw in any scriptures, to give me any information about it. And goes through his life history. And so that's my second one. I want to read maybe some childhood experiences he had or experiences as adult. Maybe I want to go through what did he accomplish in life? What were the deeds that the Bible records that he did, good or bad? What was his character like? And I begin to create an outline of this person's life based upon what I've read, but I organize all my material then into that outline, and I end up with this very well-organized, systematic outline, which literally I tell the students, you can preach off that. That could literally be your sermon notes, or your your notes in a Bible study, and so forth, but you didn't get it from one place. You got it, and you gleaned it from several different spots. You just produced one finished product at the end. And so this is the three stages that a person goes through and really until you do the organizational phase at the end, uh, it's not usable, it's just cumbersome uh, you have to go back and try to figure out where on the page you, you wrote something and so forth. The organizational phase, it takes a little time now but it saves time later so that you can access your material very quickly and get back to it. So those are the three phases. Now let me show how you can do that real quickly. Um, I'll give you an example. Say you want to do a character study on somebody, and I'll use uh, a gal. I use this one in my class because it's a character study that's very short. Because this individual is only mentioned in one passage in the Bible, so I don't have to look up 20 different scriptures on him. It's just one, and you know? it makes it nice. So, open up BlueLetterBible.org, and you go into Blue Letter Bible. It's one of those websites I gave you, and if you go across the top of your web page there, it'll have up there, it'll have the word study. And if you put your cursor on study, a little window will point down and it'll give you a list of all kinds of resources for study. And there you'll find Bible dictionaries and encyclopedias. So you click on that and it's going to open up the whole screen to Bible dictionaries. It's going to tell you all the different dictionaries and encyclopedias that it has access to at this point. So it says, okay, what do you want to study at this point so it's got a little search bar and you type in the name of the person you want to look at click on it and guess what it's going to search all of its dictionaries all of its encyclopedias and it's going to give you a list and it's going to go through these and i I did this with the character of Anna. she's uh, mentioned in luke chapter 2 when jesus is a very young baby and they take him to dedicate him in the temple Mary and Joseph bring in baby Jesus, and they're met by an old man, Simeon, and an old lady by the name of Anna. It's the only time in the Bible she's mentioned. It's just about three verses in about her. So if you type in Anna, it will then search all your dictionaries, and guess what? It will give you Eastern Bible Dictionary, Anna. It will take you down to International Bible Encyclopedia, Anna. And if you read through those different articles and you glean the information, you've accomplished stage one. That's your general background information that you've got at this point on Anna from all of these different sources that are there. Now incorporated in those different dictionary articles, there will be scripture references. These are the references about that particular individual. And the nice thing about Blue Letter Bible is all that your scripture references in there are highlighted in blue. They're hyperlinks. So all you have to do is put your cursor over it, and it brings up a window with the Bible text right there. You don't even have to turn to it in your Bible. It's just right there in front of you. You can read through the entire passage that is mentioned there and begin to get a feel. You may want to open your Bible then to see what the context is around it. But if you go through the articles and hit each of those little links, you're going to have access to many of your different passages that are found. And by the time you're done, you're going to hit most of the major passages about that individual that you're going to find in the Bible. That's stage two. You look them up, record the details, think about them for a minute, put in your insights, and you're done. So at this point, you can leave Blue Letter Bible and you can start organizing. You can create your outline. And you've done it all on one website just by entering into one particular area and so forth. And it makes it very quick very easy. You can do the same thing with uh, uh, Esword. Esword, you pop up your screen, you type in your scripture over here, Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 42, and it opens up, and you, you, you click on it, and it's got Anna's name in it, and guess what? Your other windows start coming alive, because your window down below that has access to all your dictionaries, any and starts putting up a little marker saying pick me pick me I've got something to tell you about it so you click on it and it opens up that article in that dictionary and it gives you and you can cut and paste and put it over in a little window and put it over there and you just work your way through and then if you say well well, I wonder if there's any more then you've got a window with commentaries and every commentary that has something to say on the verse that you click is going to highlight and all you got to do is click it opens up the commentary to that very verse And you can read, cut and paste, put it in your notes, and you're on one page. You don't have to flip it. You don't have to switch to another screen. It's right there. And I can just start recording notes down here and going through it. And before long, I print those notes out, and I've got a Bible study. So it's very quick, very efficient. Uh, And the material is very good. You know, it's very general material. But that's how I can do a character study, a place study, and so forth. And it makes it very, very very accessible and very easy for a new student. Once they get used to the software, do the tutorials, figure out where to go, then it's very easy for them. A passage study, that's our next one. This is a very common one and you actually refer to that. Say you want to get a group of buddies together and you want to do the first chapter of Philippians and say, let's study it for a week and let's come back together and see what what we've learned. Well, passage studies are, are beautiful. Because passage studies now will usually have more than just one verse. It'll have a developing thought, an idea. So what do I I do? I can use some of these same sources. I can go back and begin to open up a blue-letter Bible and so forth and go through a passage, read through. And if I get stuck on a verse, I just click on it. and My tools show me anything that I might want to do as I walk through this. I can go in and open up a commentary on this passage, and it begins to walk me through some of the things I need to think about. So the tools will help me with the passage study. Now, we we dealt with this back in the session where we looked at context and so forth. When I do a passage study, there's some standard questions that I want to ask myself. And I gave you the interrogatives, who, what, how, why, when, where, and so forth. Who wrote it? Who are they writing to at this point? Uh, When was it written? When were the circumstances that it was written? Is there any dialogue? Are people talking? If there are, who's talking? Who's talking? Who's listening? Who's responding? And by the end of it, I want to be able to, to sit back and say, okay, what's the point of the passage? This story was recorded and preserved by God. Why? What's he trying to tell me through the story? And this is where I begin to get insights, things that are valuable, spiritual lessons, things that can be applied. But I've taken the time to walk through and use my resources to answer some of my basic questions first. And now I can begin to apply it because I've done the background research to the passage that's there. So great little studies. Uh, you can get very complex. There's whole books. Um, Gordon Fee has written a book, he and Doug Stewart, um, and uh, New Testament Exegesis and Old Testament Exegesis. And they give you this huge, big checklist that's several pages long. They said, Have you considered this? Have you considered this? Have you done that? Have you diagrammed this? Have you, you know, And after a while, you go, whoa, okay. So I try to limit it to just a few basic questions to not overwhelm people before they get at that real heavy level of textual criticism and so forth. But there's a lot that you can do with a passage study. Uh, The last one here, and this is one that I I get my students to work on uh, extensively, and it takes a little bit of work at the outset, but these are book studies. Uh, Book study is where you're going to not just view one little passage, one little paragraph in a, in a whole book, but I want to look at the whole book. I want to get a feel for the whole book, how it flows, how it develops as you go through and so forth. And so I'm going to use some of the same material I would for a passage study, but I'm going to begin to access other material where I want to paint not just a little picture of a little piece, but I want to get the big picture of the whole book, the development, the flow of the whole book. And so there's some things that you can do, and I I, give, I gave you on the sheet there just some simple things to go down through. And, and one of the things you can do when you're starting a book study is, not only do you read it in your Bible, make sure you take the time to read through the whole book in your Bible so you're familiar with it. You're familiar with the sequence of events. You're, you're familiar with the, the themes that the author will bring up as he goes through. And I always encourage my students when you read through a book of the Bible like this, keep a piece of scratch paper handy. And as you're reading through the book, you'll see a theme that'll be brought up. Just write the one word representation, simple past, chapter one, verse six. Then as you go through later, maybe in chapter two, that theme's gonna pop up again. All you gotta do is write chapter two and verse eight. And by the time you read through and you write your different themes or observations, You've got kind of a skeleton. You've got kind of an overview that you have seen just by reading through the book and seeing repeated ideas and themes. But you know where to go back to because you've listed the references where you started seeing this theme pop up in different places in the book. So keep your piece of scratch paper handy. Just read through the Bible and start just getting a a preliminary feel of it. Then you can go into your your Bible uh, Websites, your Blue Letter, or go into your um, Bible Hub and go into your Bible dictionary and look up that book of the Bible. Say you go into one of your Bible dictionaries in in Blue Letter Bible and you go in there and say, I want to study the book of Amos. So you type in Amos and it will give you the whole article about the book of Amos. As I read through, that dictionary will give me an overview. It's going to point me to this is when he wrote. These are the circumstances he wrote. These are the issues he's going to bring up. And then oftentimes the dictionary will give you an outline and say this is where the author moves from here to here and here. And you can get all that good background information just from your, your Bible, the website that you're going to go to at that point. And so that's helping you to get your outline. It's helping you to get a feel for the whole book before you dive into each individual little piece. And so uh, my mentor back in, when I was in Bible school, Used to tell me, he said, There's a, a picture in your mind that you want to keep, and that is this. You want to always start with the big picture, the whole, and you want to get the big picture before you look at the part, because you can only understand the part in its relationship to the whole. Yeah. But as you study the part, then it gives you greater insight into the whole. And so you're constantly going from the whole to the part. But as I study the part, it gives me a greater picture of the whole. And you're constantly building and developing this unique relationship between the whole book and the individual passage in the book itself and how it fits in. So, some of your background studies, your note taking will help you to see some of this. Look up your repeated themes. Uh, I don't do a lot of publicity for maybe books outside of the reference books we've referred to, but there's a a great little set of books that we use in survey classes. Uh, They're co authored by. Kevin Connor and Ken Holman, and that is the Old Testament survey book and the New Testament survey book. I mean, I, I used that as students 40 years ago when I went through, and I still use them today because it has a, just an amazingly valuable feature in there, and that is that it'll take a whole book of the Bible and reduce it to one page, and it'll give you all the basic components of that. So I'm looking at Amos. So I turned to Amos, and I. So it'll give me a title, and that title then will usually capsulize the entire book. Somehow it will represent the main theme of the the meta-narrative that's behind the whole book at this point. And so it'll give me that, and it'll go down, it'll give me a little bit about the author, and it'll tell me about the date. And then it'll give me a section on the purpose of the book. Why did Amos write it? What were the things that he was trying to accomplish? And what were the key words? What were the words that he repeated over and over and over again? And they not only list them, but they said, oh, by the way, if you're reading in the King James, because it was written back at the time the King James was pretty much the standard text, when you read this, that key word in this book is mentioned 42 times. Well, that little book and this word was mentioned 26 times and it begins to give you the key words or phrases and the the sequencing or the number of times that they're used. That tells you what the, the major theme was that's mentioned the most. So you get to, like, the Book of John, the Gospel of John, and you open up your New Testament survey to the Gospel of John, you look at key words, and you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. It's the word believe. It's used 90 times in the Gospel of John. And then you realize, I think this book has to do with believing. Yeah, because John wrote at the end of the book, (laughs) the summary, he said, these things I have written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of a living God, and believing you might have everlasting life. See, the purpose of my book is so that you believe. So throughout the book, do you believe yet? Do you believe? Do you believe? If I read the book and skip that, and I've missed one of the major purposes for the book, it's in the vocabulary that's there. Uh, same is true with uh, the book of Acts, or the Gospel of Luke, the Holy Spirit. How many times do we find it referred to? Because that's one of the things that Luke's trying to say. The church succeeded because it was powered by the Holy Spirit. I'm tracking that theme, Spirit, through the Book of Acts, and I begin to see how the author builds upon that major theme. That becomes one of my threads. The next one is watch the order of the material. Uh, uh, Not all the books are chronologically. In fact, some of the books are deliberately non-chronological. The Book of Daniel is a series of visions I mentioned, and he mixes them all up. He doesn't follow their natural chronological sequence. Uh, the Gospels, there's only one of them that's pretty much chronological. The others just handpick stories that are going to be there and lump them together in Jesus' Galilee and ministry and so forth because the exact chronological order is not important to achieving the message of the book. So why did the author organize it the way he did? That's part of his structure. And oftentimes the structure has in it part of his message. And so you look for that, look for the transitions in there. Uh, geographical transitions thematic or as we mentioned like with Paul like in Romans the first part is doctrine the last part is practical and you know it's very obvious I'm going from heavy theological issues to how you treat your neighbor how you treat the government how you treat and we've changed it we need to see that transition because that's important for the audience. and then at the end try to summarize it and that's the closing comment that I made uh, you want to be able to close your eyes and you want to be able to think back over everything you've read and studied in the book and ask yourself the question, what is this book about? What is this book? What's What's its primary reason? What's the primary message that it's, it's trying to communicate? And one of the things I do with my students at the college, especially in the, when we study the different, books like uh, New Testament Epistle, like Romans class or Hebrews class and so forth, because they're relatively short. I mean, Romans is 16 chapters, Hebrews is 13. Uh, you're not like Isaiah where you've got 66, or Psalms where you've got 150 crying out loud. What do I do with that? You know, but you've got, you got a shorter little book there. You should be able to study that book, and by the time you're done, close your eyes without looking at any notes, and just let your mind go through the book, and as your mind begins to go from one theme to another, what happens is these things start to to form strands, and they start to create uh, like a jigsaw puzzle, and each piece is going to finish the picture at the end, and you see when the author brings something in, and you begin to follow their line of thought as you go through, and that's the kind of stuff that you can only do after you've looked at all the pieces. And now let's put them all together and let's say, okay, what's the purpose of this book? Why is he saying? When did he say this? What's he lead into when he does it? And those are important things to be able to do. Because uh, then when you're leading your little Bible study later on, and you move from Philippians chapter one to chapter four. Then in the middle of chapter four, you can say, do you guys remember in chapter one when we talked about this? Because why? The book is one. You're thinking about it on a whole book level and we are not just thinking about it. When we right.
0: So. That's so good. I, I I was wondering if your uh, sponsorship that you used to have from Dr Pepper has expired because <laughs> back when when I was in Bible college, you always told us to grab a six pack of Dr Pepper, and that's probably what was going to get us through a reading of the book of hebrews (laughs) because i remember uh, taking the class uh, of hebrews our first like assignment was to read the whole book in one sitting and uh to to give you that flow and that context right at the beginning and and so i always loved how you're just like yep grab yourself some dr pepper sit down and read that thing you know and uh it's actually one of the things <laughs> it's actually one of the things that I love um about the the book study um is that it forces you to take it as a unit like it was written. And I, I actually have one of those readers versions of the Bible where they took out all of the verse numbers yeah. and and so it's just like it's it's especially impacting when it's like philippians you know it's just a letter you know it's just yeah written out you know and you're like oh wow this totally changes the way my brain is assimilating this information and so you you took out the chapter breaks and and the verses and you're just reading the letter and uh, sometimes you you connect things that you separated before because there was a little three in there you know or whatever and so um, I, I really think there's a lot of value in that and really just trains us in proper context in interpretation because we discipline ourselves to see the context. Um, I'm wondering, this is, uh, I didn't prepare you for this, so hopefully you've got this <laughs> off the top of your head. Um, in Revelation chapter three, uh, there's uh, the, the letter to the church in Laodicea there's this verse in the Bible that says, you know, I wish that you were hot or cold, not (laughs) lukewarm. And when I was a, when I was a little kid, you know, they're like, yeah, you, you, you either need to love Jesus with all of your heart or you need to pretty much be a hellion, you know, like you need to be burning hot. You need to be burning hot for God or you need to be ice cold. God doesn't want you in the middle. Um, And so Cause I was just trying to paint a really quick picture for the value of a place study. Yeah. Um, like uh, so using that example, can you paint a quick picture of why yeah. a place study brings clarity?
1: See, when we, when you read a verse like that in revelations three, you read the name Laodicea. It means nothing. It might as well be Pittsburgh until you, you know, go back into look at an actual map of where was this? Where were any of these seven cities located that John was talking to? And then by going to a Bible dictionary, look at it, or, or a Bible atlas that might have some actual photographs. Or, uh, there are websites you can go to to get images, actual photographs of this, or you can go into YouTube and you can find YouTube videos of people that go to these seven churches. And there's one uh, guy that I know that has dentists. There's, there's been a couple that as he went to the city of Laodicea and he walked among the ruins, because there's no active village there. It's just all ruins. The city was destroyed by earthquake and just natural attrition over the years and everything. And, but Laodicea has a very interesting placement there. It's in the valley by the Lycus River. And, and it is located in such a way that two miles away, there is another city It's called Hierapolis, which is just across the valley, and you can see it. If you're in the Sea, you can see Hierapolis. And what's visible about Hierapolis is that there's these, it's like Yellowstone Park, there's these mineral hot springs that gush up out of the ground off the hillside. They come from these aquifers, these geothermal things, and they come up. this boiling hot mineral water, and it runs down the hill, and it's created these terraced pools like you see in Yellowstone, park over there, and people would travel from all over the Roman world, and they would bathe in this hot water because it's like taking a hot mineral bath. It would would, uh, take away some of the pain of arthritis and, and joint things and even skin diseases. And so the hot water of Hierapolis was known for its healing quality, its healing quality that was there. Now, in the other direction, going east up the Lycus River Valley, then there's another city that most bible People are familiar. It's called Colossae, and that's the city that the Epistle to the Colossians was written to. Now, it now was sat in a different place. It didn't have the geothermal pools, but it had the runoff pools of one of the big mountains. I think it was Mount Cadmus that was behind it there that was covered with snow most of the year. And as the snow melted, all these little springs of water came down with this cool melt off from these snow fields up there. And so the people of Colossae had this crystal clear ice cold water that came off of the snowfield. Very refreshing, very good. Now Laodicea is kind of in the middle of both of them. The water supply in Laodicea came from its wells and the wells were permeated with a lot of the sulfur gas and everything. And so the water in Laodicea was very minerally, it tasted really rancid, like rotten eggs and so forth. And so that if you would drink the water in Laodicea, you would puke it out. You would vomit it out. And so God says this. He says, look, Laodicea, I'm ready to puke you out because you're like your water. You're (laughs) you're unpalatable at this point. I'd rather have you hot so that you could bring healing to people. Or I'd rather have you cold that you could bring refreshing. But instead, you're just putrid. You stink. And you don't satisfy people's thirst, and that's a reflection of your Christianity, too. And so that he couldn't have said that in Colossae. He couldn't have said that in higher, but he could say it right here by the city that was stuck between those two. I wish you were either this or this, but you're neither one. And that's true for you. So John now knew the the geography of Laodicea, and he played on it. He used that as the backdrop of spirituality analogy T anybody who read that in Laodicea said I'm ready to puke you out they knew exactly what he was talking about so that's context that's historical context is there
0: that's so (laughs) cool Uh, I just I I I remember that example because uh, I think it was personal Bible study as the class that we took, and so we're learning how to do all these things. you know it's like it was <laughs> like twenty years before me ago lanny i I hate even saying that, but um <laughs> and so uh, no this may was nineteen years since I graduated I, I can't even believe that it's ridiculous, but um so. I remember that being one of the first, we we did a place study on Hierapolis and, and and we kind of then got like the, oh, wow, like, I've never even heard of Hierapolis. And yet, I had read scriptures that, that inadvertently, you know, like, uh, referenced it. And so, um, so we're like, we're supposed to do a place study on Hierapolis? Like, is that even in the Bible? I mean, it sounds like a video game or something, you know, like, uh, I don't know. So, but it was an impacting thing for me to understand the value of a place study, because up until then, I had never considered it valuable to study a place like study a person. Yeah, I kind of like naturally get that idea. But studying a place didn't really click with me. Um, So I thought since it was really helpful, kind of a breakthrough moment for me back then, uh, it might be a cool example uh, for you to lay out. So thank you for doing that so beautifully. And uh, so, and I think it just, it's cool because then you understand what the scriptures meant to the original believers. And it was like, uh, and it's also a really powerful um, tool for us to understand how we are supposed to communicate the gospel and biblical truth to people is that we need to understand their context so that we can communicate in such a way that they go oh yeah i got you that makes perfect sense like like people in laodicea was like yep john i got you like <laughs> i am picking up what you're putting down i am smelling what you're splashing in you know and so um yeah so cool and And what we find is that the Bible is just so full of so much life and correction and you know help and wisdom and and just all of that it's so but we have to like you said, we have to mine it out it's not there are some easy pickings, you know like Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. that one's sitting right there on the top. It's really hard to apply it <laughs> uh, but but the principle is sitting right there for you to pick off the top. but then there are other places in the Bible where you have to dig a little to get the real truth and it is the glory of uh, kings to search a matter out right like mm-hmm. and so we need to be people that are willing to put that investment that time in and uh, so, Uh, We talked about place studies. We talked about character studies, passage studies, and then the bigger passage of an entire book. Um, I do encourage you, if you're going to jump into the book study uh, arena, start with something like a Philemon or something. I mean, like, go easy on yourself. Probably don't start with, like, Isaiah. I mean, just, you know, like, When the book is, you know, half of the Old Testament, probably don't make that your first foray into Bible uh, book study. So um, anyways, again, uh, Lanny, uh, this kind of concludes our big, you know, five, six part series. I, I do definitely want to kind of explore some options for some future episodes with you. So if you're open to that, we could definitely have some great conversations there. Um, because this has been a delight for me to be, get to be a part of. And I know it's been a blessing uh, to those that are listening. So uh, one final shot. If you have one last thing to say to the listening audience, what, what would that like parting
1: comment be? It's to develop an insatiable desire to learn. Um, the Bible makes it very clear. Ask and you receive, seek and you shall find, but you've got to be willing to seek. And uh, God won't do for us what we can do for ourselves. He does for us what we can't do. And there's parts of the, the mystery of God that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to the human heart. But there's a whole lot that we can discover just with the time and the effort. And we can't, we empower God. And say, well, you just tell me. God says, no, you can do that. Come on. You do it, and then once you've exhausted your abilities and your resources that you have at that point, then I'll give my Holy Spirit a chance and he'll breathe on it and we'll make it alive. But you've got to be willing to hunt for it. Book of Proverbs says, in relation to wisdom, seek wisdom above all things. Seek it more than silver, seek it more than gold. Above all things, use the most precious thing that you can get. And in biblical study, we cannot be satisfied. I've been doing this rick 42 years i am not satisfied with what i did 20 years ago i'm constantly pushing myself i mean today here i am i started reading a book today it's 1200 pages long (laughs) (laughs) and i get a book like that and i say oh i don't know what's going to come quicker the end of the book or the rapture i just have no idea (laughs) But I'm constantly pushing because this book will give me some insights that I have not had before that will just make certain pieces fit better and fill in some of the gaps. And I've just committed myself to as long as I can read to just keep to reading and splitting. And that's the kind of commitment we all have to have to be lifelong learners. That's so good.
0: Awesome. Thank you again so much, Laney. It has been my honor to be able to have you on the show. Um, so again, listening audience, thank you for joining us. Uh, without you, there is no us. That's what U.S. Bank always likes to say. Um, and so um, thank you for being a part of our audience and uh as always it's always nice if you're a sharer you know like like and comment and share the show with other people rate it in the podcast store that'd be great just to help other people discover that we exist that's always nice um and also, if you have any comments, questions, or you want to send Lanny some kudos, you can hit me up at rickm at manahouse.church, and I will definitely send any of those compliments and kudos to, to Brother Lanny. And so, um, everybody, just give Brother Lanny a big round of applause. Thank you so much, Lanny. And with that, we just say a big hearty God bless you, and may you have the most amazing day.